We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. Hey guys, this is Ian Happ from the Chicago Cubs. I'm excited to announce that my show, The Compound, is now part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Join me and my teammates, Dakota Meckis and Zach Short. This week, we welcome Cubs first baseman, World Series champion, Anthony Rizzo to The Compound. Check it out. Subscribe. The Compound on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man Andreas Hale. Another week has gone by. It feels to me like it's been 10 days in this week. It is going by so slow. It is crazy. I can't wait to get a little further out so we can have bigger fights in boxing, MMA. The horizon looks good. It's just it's taking a while to get there. But We'll talk about both of those sports today on the show. Also, we'll talk about the Richard Brooks murder down in Atlanta that Dre's been very, very vocal about on social media. And also, we'll dive into J. Cole and people trying to cancel him and his latest track that he just released. So we get to talk social justice and hip-hop. Can't beat that. First, though, Dre, I want to kick this off. I got to crack my claw early here because I've been bored to death. The past two days, my wife has gone to Vegas for a funeral and to check on her kids and um, some family and stuff over there due to family emergencies. So I've been here by myself for two days. Uh, my kids are here, thankfully, giving me something to do, even though if you guys have teenagers, you know, they're making me pull my hair out. Aside of that, though, it's crazy to think I haven't been away from my wife for like a long period of time. 
for I'd say maybe two years, three years. When we go to Mania, she's with us. When I go, usually cover fights. Lately, especially since ESPN, she'll come along, chill in the hotel room, let me go do my thing, but she'll be around. It's probably the longest I've been without her. And you, being a seasoned veteran of marriage, I got to ask you, how do you do it? What do you do when you're not around your wife? Uh, have fun. No, don't let my wife hear this because then she'll <laughs> fucking kill me. <laughs> she will murder me if she heard that. Um, no, man, I mean, for it, like for, for us, you know, we've been together forever. So uh, we live together. We work, both work from home. Like she leaves the house to go to school because she goes to law school and go to work. She's a real estate broker. But other than that, we're always around each other. So it's not hard for me to take a break from my wife. And I'm sure she's kind of happy when I'm gone as well, occasionally. You gotta, gotta miss somebody sometimes. So your, your marriage is still relatively fresh and new. So One year, one year. Yeah, so it, this, is, <laughs> this is more difficult for you than it would be for me. And yeah. I, I mean, if my wife, she doesn't even listen to this fucking show, so who cares? Um, <laughs> she doesn't have social media, so it's not like someone can scream no, you out. Not at all. <laughs> but uh, it's, you know, it's it's not that big of a deal. I mean, I always miss my wife and my daughter when I'm gone. It's, there's never a time where I'm home and she's, like, gone. It hasn't happened since. She hasn't really traveled since I worked at, like, BT. I think. See, really. that's the difference. When I'm gone, I can I can function. Because I'm usually gone for work. It's work. I bring my Xbox or my PlayStation with me. It's work, video games, sleep. And very little sleep. But if we're at fights, we always like go and grab something to eat while we're over there. You're always moving around. It's easy to kill time. This is the first time I've been at home and she's really traveled. Yeah, I'm see. like, yo, this shit is boring. Like, I don't know. I understand why she texts me 50 times a day. <laughs> and uh, I haven't been texting her 50 times a day, but I have video games. So I can video game my life away to kill time. She doesn't have that. Now I don't know what the hell she does. I guess she cleans when I'm out of town because I come back and the house is spotless. But yeah, it's boring as hell. See, I've just been here twiddling my thumbs. See, like for me, um, if my wife is gone, it's like that's video game time. That's video game time like... Nothing like nothing else going on. Like now, especially that my daughter's like four. But this is like she goes when she goes to law school. She's gone for like nine hours, and it, I have my day off, and we coordinate that way so I can get stuff done. But then I'll spend like inordinate amount of time playing video games, and <laughs> like I hang out with my daughter, and she'll have her iPad, and she'll get her controller and sit next to me and play games with me. But she's really not. But I don't really have time to get bored like that. And like you kind of mentioned, like when I'm away, I'm gone working, and I am working. And it may seem like to a lot of people, including my wife, that sometimes it's like, you're just going to a fight. Yeah, no, this shit is work. The, the full ass days, the days never end, nothing but meetings. And it's crazy because like when I'm at home, I try to work like a, like I try to stick to my schedule. Like when I'm done, I'm done. I don't answer emails. I don't do shit. Like I, I work a eight, nine hour shift. I'm done. But when I'm gone covering fights. There is no eight, nine-hour shift. It's just all fucking day. So you wake up, and there's, like, a meeting, and then there's, like, lunch with coworkers, or you got to get this done. And especially when you're, when you're trying to handle the writing duties as well, as, as you know, it's like that's a whole task in itself. So yep. I never have time to get bored when I'm away. 
but it doesn't really happen where she's gone and I'm here, but I can only imagine how many video games I would play if she was gone for like a week. Like, the house yeah. would be spotless, but you start to realize, for those who are married, I think you all know this, you do realize when your wife isn't there how many hours there are in a day. Like, when you're, when you're together, you don't, like, time just kind of flies by. Like you start bullshitting, you're watching TV, you cook dinner, da 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 When you're by yourself, you sit there and you go, God damn, this day's not over yet? Like, you're trying to figure out what to do with your time because usually you'll say, all right, I'm going to clean, and two hours pass. Now it's like 10 in the morning. And you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what am I going to do with the rest of the day? So That's exactly how I am. And it would be easier if my kids were little. Like, oh, my yeah. kids are self-sufficient. So they make their own breakfast, own lunch. They're on their iPads, on Snapchat, on whatever, Twitch uh, for my son. They're on TikTok. If they, if I didn't see them, they wouldn't see me. If I didn't go into their rooms and bother them and be annoying and, you know, make sure that I was next to them, they would not have to see me. They could go three days without seeing me and be perfectly fine. So they're no help either. I've been uh, binging anime because that's what, like, uh, my two youngest are into. They're weebs, I think they're called. Uh, what these young kids call themselves, weebs who like anime. Wow. So I've been watching My Hero Academia, which is actually really fucking dope. So I am like super into this anime now. So I was like, yo, slowly I'm Murph. I'm just it's been two days, but I'm morphing into you in two days where I'm just playing mad video games, working, watching anime and Japanese shit and pro wrestling. Yeah. I was like, yo, I'm Dre. If, <laughs> if, if I mixed in a little bit more time for music. I'd be you, but I can't do the music shit right now. I I leave that to the young folks. Uh, we joked in our group chat the other day that you should you mentioned you should start a music website for old people, or at least yeah. people of our generation with old ears is what I I threw out there for a name. Like that <laughs> that would be great. Like I can't do these young whippersnappers, yo. I mean, and you know what? I forgot to talk about that. Complex is list. Yeah, of fifty best it. albums. Let's get into it because that's where it started from. And yes, there are a million things going on in this world and we've talked about them a lot. And I have to bring levity to this situation often. Like I need comedy in my life. Like like even the Chappelle special wasn't even comedy. The shit was just heavy. And I was like, damn, all right, this is really good. But man, I need some levity in my life. Then that complex list came out and little for the uh, top albums of 2020 thus far. And little Uzi Vert is number one. And I... I just was like, what, what, what? Like, <laughs> for real? And I had to go back and listen because I tried to listen to the album before. Couldn't really get through it. Little Louis Verse, not terrible. I just, album of the year? So then I listened to it. Was it 36 songs? 36, double disc. No album that's over 14, eh. Yeah, 15 actual songs will ever be an album of the year. Ever. Because there's always... Ooh. What What album is over 15 actual songs? That you can think I, of. I'd have to go back, but I'd probably say ready, not ready to die. Um, life after death. Life I think after it tops out at fifteen total. Yeah, see, my problem with, again, my problem with life after death is if that 15, was one 16. album, would have been amazing. There is a little bit of fat that can be cut off of that album. Oh, now, I don't know one track I can get rid of. I can get. There's a few. That, Jealous that, guys is my shit, and that's probably the worst one. It's just it's it's a it's a lot of fucking music, but that's Biggie, right? 
Yeah. This is Lil Uzi Vert. <laughs> Every song sounded the same. And I like Lil Uzi Vert. But I can't I can't do that. I don't like him 36 songs worth. It's, it's crazy. Like, the list... And this is why I thought that you coined it the old ears thing. But I was like, dude, for us that are old, married, watched, or not even, you don't even have to be married. Just have a, a different sensibility when it comes to music. Like if you can't rock with the little Uzi Vert, or if you're not one of those people who think that little baby, because he made this Black Lives Matter song, is like the greatest rapper of all time. It's crazy how people looked at that little baby song. It's not a bad song. I just was like blown away that people were like, yo, he's the he's the most sensible rapper out there. For real? What? Yeah. I, I'm thankful I didn't hear that. But it does, I, you know, I thought, you know, he has some depth. No, it's it's a good it, song, but it's just yeah. crazy how people, like, it's it's a generational thing in some ways. But then, like, I talk, I've talked to young people, and they was like, nah, it's not that serious. But you look at that complex list, and Royce was like, what, 38? Yeah, 38, 36. Which way, is, too, way too low. Which is nuts to me because... The allegory right now probably is my still still my favorite album this year. Rap out. Now the one album on the list that I was like that makes sense is Tame Impala. Tame Impala's album is amazing. It comes in at number two on the complex list. But as I'm reading the list, it made me realize like, man, what how is many, that electro? Kind of. It's um, I guess you could call it electronic. But I gotta listen to this. Yeah, it's it's dope. Like I'm I've, I've always been a fan of Tame Impala. Like Rihanna remade uh, one of the songs for the Anti album. Um, uh, think what, who, who else has worked with Tame Impala? Tame Impala's dope. It, it, coming in at number two is cool, but as I'm Travis looking Scott. at as I'm looking at the list, I started thinking, man, how many suburban white kids made this list? Because <laughs> there's just there is an infatuation. All right, well, I get too deep in this because we can save it for a completely different show. As much as I talk about diversifying like MMA and boxing and pro wrestling. Hip-hop also needs to be diversified from a journalistic standpoint. And a lot of people don't really know this, but the pitchforks of the world are like the top websites that become the authority on hip-hop, and there, there are no black writers there. And my boy Tim, who was the editor of Levels, when they tried to actually have it, they got rid of his ass, and now they got another white dude running the hip-hop section. Now, this isn't to say that white people can't write about hip-hop. That's not the point. The point is, is there not enough black people who are in high-ranking positions at places like Pitchfork, Rolling Stone, and so on that can talk about music? So when you see a, a list like Complex, which is a bunch of hippie-ass white kids, I know this for a fact, the, like when they make these lists, it is kind of reflective of those tastes. So they will look at Lil Uzi Vert as like this musical genius, whereas somebody like myself, I look at like Royce and it's like, you got Lil Wayne's The Funeral over Royce's The Allegory? And The Funeral was forgettable nobody cared about the album mediocre at best it had a couple tracks a couple but like three there was nothing daring music wise in that album it just it just wasn't a good album and for it to be ranked over that and like what else is on that list i have to pull uh, it up run the jewels is 12 i believe let's see uzi vert is one um two you mentioned tame impala then we have the weekend after hours at which, three. Look, man, which, I'm sorry. I like the weekend. I didn't dislike this album, but it's still his weakest, I believe. It's there's just no like this album after hours is okay. The, nothing that I heard on this album because like look when they talk about my favorite albums like Little Dragon comes up there. Um, I think Kalani had a really good album this year, but like the weekend's album, yeah. I get it being in the top twenty. I and for some people, I get it being in the top. 10 if you really want to go there but three <laughs> like no man 
So much yeah, stuff came uh, out this year. There's just no way. Freddie Gibbs and the Alchemist Alfredo. Which cool. Freddie Gibbs has just been crushing shit. Yeah, yes. So, all right. I mean, I think his album before that was better. I, you might have given it album of the year last year. Uh, it was up there, Bandana with Mad Lib. But no, Alfredo but, with Alchemist is really good. It's a really Yeah, not good. not bad. Can't complain over that. Uh, West Side Gun, Pray for Paris. I personally think it's ranked higher than it should be just because it's the cool thing to be on board with Griselda right now. Not that it's a bad album, but top five so far this year. I don't think it's better than Royce's album. I don't either. Um, and I like Run it a the, lot. Run the Jewels you know, just came out, but I, I'd i probably say it's a little bit better as well. So, um, yeah, I, don't, I can't go with that. Mac Miller's Circles. That was this year? Yeah, January wow. 19th. Holy moly. Which, good album. It's just, wow. It's just, um, Lil Baby, my turn. For as much as people hype Lil Baby, he, he's not for me. I will say that. He's not for me. Um, I get it. It just, that's, to me, the drastic divide. It's kind of like when we talk basketball and to a point when we talk boxing. Basketball, it's before Jordan, after Jordan, right? Like, shit wasn't the same. And then in boxing, it's even better because it's before Mayweather and after Mayweather. And Mayweather's not the greatest ever, but there's a clear divide in fans who think you can't take an L at all and be an all-time great. And that's just post-Mayweather. Because we all know, me and you at least, most people listen to this show, know that the best boxers have multiple losses. And it doesn't take away from their resume. But post-Mayweather, there's this group of people who grew up with that who thinks a loss is everything. Right. And that's how I feel hip-hop is with post-Carter for Lil Wayne and pre-Carter for Lil Wayne. There's a generation of kids who only know Lil Wayne, Guitar, Young Money, spawning uh, the dude who wears a dress. <laughs> I forgot his fucking name. Um, but yeah, you know, Young Thug, excuse, there it is. Young Thug, who copied that version of Lil Wayne, and then you get the XXX and all these, not mumble rappers, but like guitar, punk rock influenced crooners who really never listened to punk rock. They just listened to Lil Wayne songs that he thought was rock and roll. So, like, you, you get this new genre of, like, I don't really have to say shit besides I'm wearing a Gucci belt and. I like my bitches naked and I want toppy. Like, that's all they talk about. Rinse, repeat. And they do it in that tone that's like, I'm not a human being. And kids think that's dope and that's all they know. And then there's people who know music before that where it's like, ah, this shit's not that good. Yeah. It's not bad. It's just not that good. In the grand scheme of music, it's not that good. Again, you could be the best of your generation and that's cool. But your generation can also be kind of shitty. <sighs> yeah. It's just... Yeah. <laughs> Lil Baby falls into that category. Polo G, Polo G, I could not make it through three songs. I mean, look, man. This shit is eighth on this list. They got cats like Pop Smoke and, you know, Recipe <laughs> Pop Smoke. I, but, and meet the, the Woo, too? It, it just Meet the Woo was... There was a, a lot of... Meet the Woo was a lot of Meet the Woo. Like, the whole album <laughs> felt like a lot of Meet the Woo. And it's not... Look, man, he's not bad. It's just when you make these lists, it's not good. It's just, I could just kind of tell 
who is making these lists and it, and it's not reflective because we're at an age now where like hip-hop has multiple genres within it and it caters to different audiences and an authority you can't like the same authority having the, uh, the voice of what to listen to can't be the same people everywhere which is again pitchfork complex so on and so forth they all have similar lists but there's a whole group of people like 30 plus crowd Who's just like, I know, I don't fuck with that. That like, dude, that Drake throwaway album was like number twenty two. And it's not bad, but no. it was Drake's throwaways. Yeah, it's the cutting room floor shit that usually doesn't get cleared for an album. It's just crazy. like you look at that list and you're just like, man. So yeah, that was my whole thing. I was like, you know, we need, you know, hip hop for people that care about like hip hop. Because there's just so many there's so many artists out there that made dope albums this year that aren't getting the recognition that they deserve. Whereas there's these other acts who don't click with a 30-plus crowd and or just a certain type of crowd who just doesn't fuck with it. Because once upon a time, there was like underground hip-hop, mainstream hip-hop. And the underground's heads, when you, when you saw their list, it didn't look like the mainstream's list. And the mainstream's list always left off all the underground shit. We're back at that now. Even though everything's together, you still got to kind of separate it. So it speaks to people. And I think there's a piece that I have coming out. I didn't tell anybody this, but I'm working with LL Cool J on his Rock the Bells website. And he just launched it recently. Um, and he wanted, like, I did a piece on, like, mixtapes. And I did a piece on, and when I, my piece that's coming out on mixtapes, the mixtape era, I talked to, uh, about the power of the DJ. And I talked to, well, no, I can't remember who I talked to. I think it was Royce Infante. And Fonte said something very interesting. He was like, it would be good to have subgenres in hip-hop like you do in rock, when you have, like, alternative, hair bands, like, metal. Like, it'd be good because then the audience can figure out what they're getting. Now it's just thrown into this big pot, and when Friday comes and all these releases come out, you have no idea what's what, and you just click on shit. And then you click, and it's like, ooh, that that ain't it. That ain't for me. But then there's so many releases... That's hard for you to find out what's dope. Because who the hell's got time to listen to like 17 albums that come out every Friday? It's crazy. I sure don't. But I can tell you this much. I listen to these top 10, and uh, except for the electronic one, I think Kalani was right outside the top 10. My daughter plays that shit constantly. So I hear that, and it's not bad. And then you look at some of the other things. I'm like, Meet the Woo? And I love shitty music sometimes. I listen to 6 9 occasionally. Like, I know when music is shitty and I'm enjoying it because it's shitty. Pop Smoke's music is shitty. But it, it's a good it's a good caliber of shitty music. People are like, oh, he's the new 50 Cent. I'm like, y'all have never heard Power of the Dollar 50 Cent. No, yeah. Like, I can tell you're only hearing, like, Magic Stick. Yeah. And shit, like, past that. Like, you, you've never heard... Anything, how to rob, ghetto Quran. Like I, I could tell you haven't heard Fifty when he was on his shit. G Unit mixtapes, Unit re- Radio, all that was just so bonkers. And then people were like, oh, he's a new Fifty. I was like, yo, he's Fifty when Fifty was trash already, and he's starting there. Yeah. Rest in peace. But I mean, just as an artist, we're we're being real. So it's it's crazy when I looked at that man. It's you. 
I saw that as soon as I saw Royce at 36. I was like, yo, we gotta move on. Yeah, I was out. <laughs> I was out. I was, I was like, yeah, this this holds no credence anymore. Um, the other thing that's been taking over the timeline recently, and uh, more of a somber note, of course, and that's the Richard Brooks murder. Murder. So that's murder. exactly clear. I put that murder. Um, the officers were the officer was charged with murder. Videos came out afterwards, and I didn't know this until I saw you talking about it, where they were, like, kicking the body. Yeah. After shooting, like, disturbing video. And people at first were shocked and surprised, which goes to say what we've been saying forever, which is, this shit has always happened. We just have more cameras now. Yeah. So we get this credit somewhat to Atlanta and moving swiftly arresting the officers the charges were very severe this then came out and it was like shit these might be able to stick if this doesn't stick what is going to stick so you look at it okay the thing that makes this a little bit different than what we've seen recently is there's a lot of people defending the officers here yeah yeah I mean okay the people that are defending the officers don't understand how the law is supposed to work. And this is a case where the law is working. It doesn't matter. Like somebody was like, ah, oh, he was, you know, he was incarcerated. He was, uh, he went to jail for like child abuse and, and all this. None of this shit fucking matters. It doesn't. Because when a cop pulls you over or when anything happens, none of that shit matters when it comes to an officer doing their job. Now, in this case, he was sleeping at Wendy's driving. Somebody called the cops. Cops talked to him. He was drunk. Now, if you watch the video, he says, I can walk home, right? And I know this. Kelly, you may have known this, too. There have been situations where I've been with people who are really drunk, and we run into a cop, and, yeah, you're clearly over the limit, and they'll be, like, calling Uber for you. They'll find a way to get you home. But they didn't. The cops did not. They had him take a breathalyzer. Uh, it failed. They, a scuffle ensued. And uh, they tased. They shot the taser at him twice. He grabbed the taser after hitting one of the cops. He grabbed the taser, ran, um, turned, and it still, he pointed it at them. Some people say he fired it. But either way, with, after it was discharged, there was nothing there. And they put two in his back and killed him. They murdered him. Now, people say, well, the cop was defending himself. No. You don't put a bullet in, an, in anybody's back. Listen, if Dylan Roof can run into a church and murder a bunch of black people and get taken to fucking Burger King, you can find a way to detain an inebriated man who has no lethal weapon on him. There's a way to do this. That's why you have tasers. Um, furthermore, there was... I mean, look, in this climate... Now, he was, he was intoxicated, and it seemed like he was pretty drunk. But I'm not saying that him fighting the cops was the right thing or him running was the right thing, but I can understand given the current climate. I can understand somebody being like, yo, if you take me out, you're going to kill me. I can understand that perspective. Um, What he did by hitting, like fighting the cops should have got him arrested. Fair. That's it. That's where the bar stops. Once he turns and has his back to you, and even though you say, oh, he pointed the taser at me. You knew it was a taser. You took your taser because that was in your report. 
And then you guys try to lie on your report too. It's like, all right, you were, you guys are really fucking trying it because we're right in the middle of protests in America about this very thing of police brutality, and you're gonna do this? You put two in the man's back, and then off camera, which you you're too stupid to recognize there's more cameras in a parking lot than one. <laughs> you are kicking and standing on a dead black man's body. Now, I just said black, but let's remove it for a second. Let's just say this was anybody that was got in a fight with police, ran, and got two bullets put in his back. It doesn't matter who it is. It's still a felony murder. And this is what I always talk about. It's like black people don't, we're not asking for like special treatment. We've never said, yo, you should treat us better. Because even reparations isn't special treatment. It's pay what you owe. But that's, we're not even, there's not even a huge campaign about reparations. We're talking about how the law should work for us like it works for white people. That's it. That's all we're asking for. And it, it continues to not work in our favor with cops killing us and getting off. And, you know, like people will continue to say dumb shit like, well, there's like, what about black and black crime? We're not talking about black and black crime. My tax dollars doesn't pay for gang members. My tax dollars pay for the law to protect me. So if they're not protecting me and they're killing me, we have a problem because they're not being held accountable for this. And now you have another black man dead in the midst of everything else in Atlanta. This is a felony murder. There's 11, 11 charges total. 11 or 14? 11. 11 charges total. Because not only did he put two in the man's back as he ran away, it was similar to what happened to Walter Scott, they also fired when there were people there. You don't discharge a weapon with innocent people around. That is one of the charges. There's 11 charges on this, on this cop. He broke 11 laws to be charged for. If he doesn't go to jail for this, you might as well turn Atlanta and the rest of this country upside the fuck down and burn it down. There's, there's no way out of this. And for people that are continuing to defend this cop and are just saying, like, he was defending himself from what? From a taser? Because they, they already patted him down. He didn't, have a, he didn't have a gun on him. He was unarmed. He didn't take the gun. Like, we, we can try this Mike Brown shit if you want to. But he didn't take a gun. It was a discharged taser. You could detain them because you know what? That's what cops are trained to do. And this is, brings me to my second point. When people don't know the law and don't understand, hand, like police have handbooks on how they're supposed to handle situations, how they're supposed to de-escalate situations, not murder. Murder is the last resort if your life is threatened. Nobody's life was threatened here. They could have took this no, man in. Except the man who died. Yeah, he's dead. And they're standing <laughs> on this man. His life was threatened. Like, tell me, tell me what world is it that we live in where a cop can kill anybody and then walk up to the body, stand on it, and kick it. That's, I don't care what happened. That's breaking the law. You're a cop. Do better. Like, you know, like, if you're a teacher and there's a class full of students and the students are all yelling and cursing at each other, that's the students. But if the teacher yells, hey, shut the fuck up, that's a problem. Because you're supposed to be above that. The cops are supposed to be above that. And they're not. This cop was not. And his own partners turned state witness on him. It's over. At least I hope so. There should be no way that this man doesn't spend a minimum of 25 years in jail. I know they have the death sentence as a possibility. That's not going to happen. But it has to be at least 20 years. This man cannot get off with a license. And that's why we, this is why I say we got to pay attention to who the jury is, who the prosecution is, what the laws are, what the handbooks are. This is where, because when this trial happens, most of us are going to forget. 
and we'll see it in the scrolling marquee at the bottom of like CNN where they say cop that killed uh, it, the cop that did this did this many years because a lot of times these things fly under the radar if we allow them to just gotta stay on top of it but this is fucked up this this was this was egregious man like this was there was there's no there's videotape again come on it's one of the, yeah the the video this one specifically gave naysayers a lot of ammo I will say that though because people it's so easy and I <laughs> it's weird to say it in this situation but I it holds true for many situations you can tell when someone has never been in a fight or been punched in their face a lot of these people defending the officers I would venture to say fit into that category because when you've been in a fight or you feel your life is threatened they're like why did he grab the taser why was he aiming have you ever felt like your life was in danger and you may die because then I would tell you grabbing the taser is pretty fucking light for that situation he then ran because he felt they were going to kill him and which they ended up doing so a lot of people who've never been in a in a dire situation who have never feared for their life are speaking on this shit like it's just so easy and that's one thing i've noticed you know what and i you know i appreciate you saying that Kel, but it doesn't even matter feelings don't even matter in this like if he felt he was going to get killed it doesn't matter the cops broke the law that's that's all that the jury is going to be presented the cop broke the law that's it doesn't matter if it was him like everything the, the black and white of the case is the cop shot somebody in the back when he could have detained him and his life wasn't threatening he discharged a firearm in a crowd of people and then kicked the dead body Kicking the dead body is, is the cherry. I'm on just top. saying, like there, there are so yeah. many laws that were broken here, and that's it. This is a human rights violation that happens to black people far too often. The feelings of fear and all that shit. No, cops keep using that shit. I was scared. Do your fucking job. Your job, like, imagine firemen. The the house is burning down. The fireman was like, man, I'm scared. I ain't going in that shit. <laughs> like what? <laughs> like that's your job. That this is what you do. You're supposed to protect. You're supposed to save people. You're supposed to detain people. Cops' jobs are not to kill people. That's that's not it. That's not their job. They only use deadly force if their life is threatened. And these cops have been killing black people before their life is even remotely threatened. You can't use that. You can't keep using that shit. And this is a, a proper case where it's all going to be laid out. And they find a way, because the other problem is what people don't understand is you can get a conviction and the judge could be like, yeah, but I don't agree with you guys. So I'm going to give them a lighter sentence. That's why we got to pay attention yep. to the judges. Give them the minimum. Yeah, they'll go, ah, man, 25 years. That's a lot for that cop because he's my friend. He'll get two. So you got to pay attention to these judges because they're full of shit as well. Yeah, good point. It does not stop at the conviction. Even if a cop is convicted, the sentencing is just as important. So, uh, man, before we take the break, though, I mistakenly skipped over this when we were talking hip-hop. But we'd be weird if we didn't mention it. J. Cole getting canceled. Oh, God. Quote, unquote. <laughs> Another thing where people online took something and ran, in my opinion, the complete wrong direction. So, J. Cole comes out with this new songs. Uh, what was it? Snow on the Bluff. 
Snow in the Bluff, like the movie, mm-hmm. that if you guys are longtime listeners of this podcast, I watched, thanks to you <laughs> and the old men. So, comes out with this song, Snow in the Bluff, addressing what he felt were words on Twitter directed towards him from an artist called No Name. Um, singer, cool, whatever. Calls out, where are your favorite hip-hop artists now while this is going on? Mind you, I don't know why... Dr- why J. Cole took this so to heart. He was in the streets. He was marching. Whatever. For some reason, he felt this was aimed at him. So, instead of going on Twitter, going back and forth, he decided to put out this song. When I listened to this song, people were like, oh, you're attacking women. You're trying to silence a woman's voice. There's nothing in this song to me, personally, that feels as though he's attacking anyone. And, to be honest... This is a stance, while I probably don't have it now, but I only don't have it now because of this podcast, if we're being truthful, because talking to you every week and us discussing this shit and seeing it on the timeline and having friends like AJ Springer who's involved in politics and other very smart people in our group chat and knowing other smart people to have these conversations with, I've educated myself through you guys. But on J. Cole's end, where he says, you know what? I don't know as much as you. Don't get fooled by this college degree. Like, I didn't grow up learning black history, civil rights, all this shit. You did. How about you, instead of calling me out or people of my ilk on Twitter, educate us. Speak to us as though we're a child and we need more understanding. I am not on your level. How about you explain it so we can all move further together? I find nothing wrong with that message, let alone to cancel someone. Am I missing something? Yes and no. Okay. So one, I don't care. This is my this is my <laughs> no, first thought. He's not gonna be canceled. I don't care. Yeah. Like my my first thought was when I saw this, I was like, really? This is what we're gonna-? because the vitriol of both sides debating this was bizarre to me because I was like, is it really that serious? Con- considering what is going on in this country right now, in the midst of the DA in Atlanta about to charge this cop, we are arguing about Jermaine Cole and No Name. And No Name is dope. No Name is dope. She's like a poet, MC. She started a book club. She's dope. Her album, Room 26, I believe it's called, is great. She's dope. She called out She called out a bunch of people. Now, I preface it with this, and I may have said this before. You can't tell people when to speak. You can't tell people what to do because you don't know what they're going to do. Now, to No Name's credit, she didn't name any names. This is J. Cole being butthurt, feeling like he's being called out. And my point about J. Cole is this. This is the thing about J. Cole with me. I like J. Cole. I don't love J. Cole. And there are people out there that put J. Cole on this strange pedestal of conscious rap the rap god he's everything and i've never seen that with j cole what i've seen out of j cole is a dope sometimes introspective mc who can be sometimes corny as well but he's dope i like j cole but he's not the savior you we've the 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 audience has put him on this pedestal to the point where either you love j cole or you hate j cole's fans that's what happens it starts being less about J. Cole and about the people who back him. And now we're in the situation where No Name says something and Cole is taking it personally because Cole admits, I don't read. It's like, thanks, Jermaine. But it should be alarming to the people that put him on this pedestal is that your favorite rapper that you are following 
doesn't really know shit. He speaks off experience, which is cool. And his experience goes a long way because, I mean, even in civil rights history, not everybody that was on the front lines just picked up a bunch of books. But but he, he's admitting he doesn't know that much. He's admitting this. But the problem with this song is, is he's trying to tell somebody how to address him when he's not being the one addressed. There, that's my problem because... For, for J. Cole, and this is what happens when you do shit like this, is you open the door to criticism because you were out there saying, uh, defending 6ix9ine. You were out there saying, pray for XXX. When you do that, and then you try to, si- try to silence somebody or tell them how to address you, it comes off as disingenuous and quite alarming for people. Especially for the people who don't fuck with you because of your fans. So now, all of a sudden, everybody's mad. People are fighting with J. Cole and mad. Cancel J. Cole. You're not canceling J. Cole. You want to know why? Because you want to listen to him in the first place. Kind of hard to cancel yeah. something that you don't listen to. All the people defending J. Cole should understand this. J. Cole did not read the room before he fucking dropped that song. <laughs> like, you have to understand, like, J. Cole, in the midst of just being at a protest, knowing everything that's going on in this country, even though he don't read, he knows, he's on social media, because it feels like he vanity searches his own name. I could be completely wrong, but it feels like he does, and this is how this came up. But all this, and he decides to drop a song called Snow on the Bluff, and I guarantee you when I say this, all of you will nod your head in agreement. When you saw that song hit your iTunes or J. Cole's YouTube, you thought it was going to be a song about these protests and this political climate. And then you heard it and you were like, wait, what? What's going on? Because it wasn't. It was J. Cole being butthurt about being called out by a woman who said, hey, man, where, where are the celebrities at? Where are all your favorites at now? Like, we need you. Like, that's what she said. But she didn't call no names. And he made a song about him, about her. And didn't, like, wh- what? Jermaine, <laughs> take a break, dog. Take a seat. That's what you needed to do right there. Save that song, because you didn't need to put it out right now. Or, call No Name, if you feel like she's talking about you. It's not that hard. I work in yeah, this He industry. really could have just not responded. Dude, I mean, <laughs> if, if it... <laughs> that, that was probably the best avenue to go. If it, if, it, if it bothered you that much, like, I work... I still am pretty active in this industry. It is not hard for me to get somebody's phone number. You're J. Cole. You can get anybody's phone number. You can address this if you, if you want to. Putting it into a song over a beat and critiquing somebody and saying, hey, um, wh- I'm, trying to, I'm trying to find the bars now. My IQ is average. There's a young lady out there say she way smarter than me. Wait, what? She mad at celebrities. Low-key, I'd be thinking she talking about me. Boy, that sounds really fucking insecure. Now, I ain't no dummy to think I'm above criticism, so when I see something that's valid, I listen. Something about the queen tone that's bothering me. Oh, you, she didn't even say it. She tweeted it. You're reading like this. Have you ever sent a text and it was like, no, I didn't. That didn't come off that way. It was a text. You're reading it wrong. Yeah, tone gets lost all the time in text. Come on, like come on, Jermaine. You're in your mid thirties, dog. Cut it out. He had to have been feeling away in general. Maybe his timeline was blowing up. Somehow he was feeling away, and this pushed him over the edge. Cause you, this can't be the first. 
straw, right? This has to be like the last straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah, I feel like yeah. Jermaine has... Sounds real emotional. It sounds like J. Cole feels like he should, be in, he should be doing more than he is. And when somebody mentioned it, he took it very personally. That's what this feels like from him. The problem is, why are you making a rap song about it? And now it's distracting. Because the last thing I wanted to see on my Twitter feed that day was people arguing about J. Cole. That is not important. This cop just got 11 charges. And they're still arguing about J. Cole. Stop it. Cut it out. <laughs> yeah, there's much better shit to talk about. Yeah. That's what it it comes down to. Like, really? There's better shit to talk about right now. Chill out. Um... Nonetheless, we had to talk about it, so there that is. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, touch on boxing really quick, get into some of these UFC cards that were announced, and then wrap up the show with that. So you guys stay tuned. We'll be right back. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second, but first, there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partners, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back, and Bet Online is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. So looking for something else other than sports, BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit betonline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. All right, just that quick, we are back, and it is time to talk a little bit of combat sports. Not much to talk about today. That's why we let off with you know all this stuff going on on Twitter, social justice, hip-hop. It's nice to talk about that to lead off the shows. But now, let's do what we came to do. Boxing, very few headlines, but one being a little bit of trouble in paradise. Golden Boy and Ryan Garcia seem to be beefing. Wouldn't be the first time. It took them a while. They re-signed him to this contract about a year ago. It was all smiles. De La Hoya and Garcia arm in arm. He gets knockout. Everything's gravy. Now he wants to be the first to return on July 4th. Not only does Ryan Garcia's team turn it down, Oscar De La Hoya then comes out and tweets that they turned it down and announces, I'm paraphrasing, but like the real champion, Oscar Valdez, will be kicking off Golden Boy Boxing at the end of July. I feel like Oscar might be going the wrong direction with this. Yeah. He tried to do this last time, where he was like, he, he threw a like pot shot in a random interview for no reason, where he was like, they're like, oh, you're young, your most talented young fighter, Ryan Garcia. He's like, no, Oscar Valdez is the future of Golden Boy. Well, no, it's like Virgil Ortiz. You, excuse me, Virgil Ortiz. Uh, Valdez on my mind because he signed a fight too. But Virgil Ortiz. And it's just like, Virgil Ortiz is great. Virgil Ortiz is the better boxer. I think we can all agree there. He's not a bigger draw than Ryan Garcia. Like, I, I feel like De La Hoya's putting all his eggs in the wrong basket. And sooner or later, Ryan Garcia's age especially will allow him to bounce and get bigger and better. He doesn't even have to go far. 
Eddie Hearn is like a stone's throw away. Stay on the same network, stay on the same everything, and he could take his talents elsewhere. So it's a dangerous game he's playing. Oscar De La Hoya, that is. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Um, yes, obviously I work for the zone, and yes, I've been privy to this information for about a month now. I can't, I can't talk about it. No, I can. It's the cat's out the bag. Um, yeah. So Ryan Garcia, the timeline goes a little something like this. Ryan Garcia tweeted he was going to fight on July fourth. Now internally, we were like, wait, what? He's doing what? And then the higher ups were like, yeah, let's talk about him fighting July fourth, but he's speaking out of turn. And apparently. He, Ryan, started to blame the zone for his money when, in fact, the contract is with Golden Boy. Golden Boy has a contract with the zone. And the money he was being offered to fight on July 4th was $200,000. He wanted at least double that. He wanted $500,000. And 200 ain't bad for quarantine stay, stay ready card. Unless he was going to fight like. You know, the same person he was going to fight before. Who is he trying to fight? Lenars or something? Yeah, he was trying to fight Lenars, but Lenars can't get in the country. So Yeah, like, if you just take a busy fight, like, 200K is not bad. Well, but that's that's me. Like, fuck do I know? Here's the problem. for for In Ryan, he looks at it like he's been underpaid with his contract. Whereas people like Javante are making, like, way more than that. Right? Fighting anybody. And, and Ryan's beating up the people that Javante beat up. Faster. So he feels like he should get more, but it's a contract, dude. But either way, they they couldn't come to an agreement on July 4th. Uh, and Ryan was like, okay, cool. Not doing that. And Oscar, being Oscar, decided to fire a, an unnecessary salvo at his one of his brightest young stars and put him in direct opposition with one of his other bright young stars. I don't understand this move. He called Virgil Ortiz the future of boxing. That was a tweet. The Golden Boy Boxer returns with the true future of boxing, Virgil Ortiz. And Ryan tweeted and deleted the tweet later. You're supposed to be my promoter, not my hater. Now, there was already friction because if anybody remembers where Ryan Garcia was supposed to fight, uh, God damn it, forgot his name. Last November, and then Romero Duno was going to be the day before because the dude got arrested. I was there for this at the weigh-in. Like he was on the run, <laughs> and they, his, they arrested his opponent. And then they said, "Hey, why don't you fight Romero Duno?" And Ryan was like, "On a day's notice, no." Or he wanted to be paid more. He's like, "No, I'm not." Like, what are you doing? Like Romero Duno, everybody looks at his his most quality opposition to date. And he's like, "No." And then Eric Gomez from Golden Boy goes on the air and was like. Ryan turned down the fight. Like, basically just threw him under the bus. He didn't want to fight. That wasn't the case. They're not, there's no goodwill between Ryan Garcia and Golden Boy Promotions right now. They smoothed it over when they signed the new contract, and then you go and do this shit. Like, you got to recognize your star, and you got to figure out a way to make him happy. Like, if he wants to fight on July 4th, but you don't want to pay him enough, just move on. Pay Virgil Ortiz to fight, but Oscar going on Twitter to say that? That was so stupid. I don't understand, like, as the promoter, what does it do for you to publicly feud with your own fighters? I don't get it. You already got problems with Canelo. Now you got problems with Ryan Garcia. Nobody likes you. And you're, old, you're a promoter. This can't bode well for the future of going to It's weird. Like, you, how do you sign more people? Like, sooner or later, you 
when you treat talent like this, it, it will come back to you. I, and mm. having only Canelo paid paid off for him, right? So for years he put all all his chips and pushed them all in on Canelo. It worked. He's the biggest draw in boxing. Congrats. Gambling again. That Virgil Ortiz is that is tough. It's very tough. Ryan Garcia, I think, is already that. If he loses, so what? I believe all these young kids are going to take losses. So, maybe outside of Shakur. I think Devin Haney might get tripped up a little later. But you look at it like they are all so good. This kid is a draw. Everything he does gets over a million eyes on it. How do you not make him your at least you know one A one B priority? Mm. I'll never understand it. I don't. And look, here's here's the thing. Like Virgil Ortiz, like I we and I'm sorry because I do this a lot too. When we talk about the 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 future of boxing, he's one of them. He's definitely one of them. He's 15 and 0 with oh, yeah. 15 knockouts. Like oh, yeah. at 47, he's gonna beat the shit out of a lot of people. He hasn't had a fight go past six rounds yet as a welterweight. This he's got uncanny power, and he's an. I will tell you boxer. this. We are going to be front row if I'm not on the ring. Regardless, I'll be right next to you, losing my fucking mind the day that him and Boots Enos fight. Yeah, it'll be unbelievable. Like Virgil Ortiz, those kids are the future. He's already talking about trying to fight somebody like Errol Spence. Like he's doing Virgil. He's he's learning because I think he just turned 22. Like I just yep. did a, like a whole story on him that video story that'll come out probably closer to the fight. But um, he's an amazing fighter. But what good does it do you? To pit him against your other star, just promote all your stars. Stupid! <laughs> like, what? How hard is that? It's like you got plenty of time and resources. Like, no one's making you choose. Like, you have three kids, Kel. Yep. And if you start playing your kids against each other, sooner or later they're gonna figure out that you're the dickhead, not them. That's kind of how kids work because they're all like, "We're all the kids. Why is he treating you like that?" Sometimes it works. Divide and conquer sometimes does work, but oftentimes it blows up in your face. And what Oscar is doing with kids that are like, he's already got problems with Canelo, and that's the biggest attraction in boxing. You already got problems with him. Now you got problems with the biggest social media star in boxing. What are you doing? Bad business, man. It's bad business. Just man, why don't you just call Ryan to tell him that? Why I hate Twitter for that reason. That's the thing. Like, there's no reason. Even if this is how you feel, and this is everything that's gone down, and Ryan's people, for some reason, paint you in the back corner and did you wrong. Whatever. Call them. There's no reason to tell this to the world via Twitter. What is this improving? I don't know. It was completely unnecessary. Some people just love telling their business on social media. Yeah, yeah, but not all of it. Oscar's got some dirt. But come on, man. Let it go. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we'll see Ryan Garcia this summer. Maybe we won't. But maybe it's up in the air yeah, at this point. Can't do that to that guy. But whatever. Um, let's talk about people we will see this summer, and that's in the UFC. They announced three cards for Abu Dhabi, aka Fight Island, that we're getting uh, coming up this summer. Going through, let's see, July fifteenth. Uh, Calvin Qatar. Didn't we just see him? Yeah, we did. Calvin Kent. Quick turnaround for him. Dan Ege, he's uh, headlining that. Oddly enough, Frankie Edgar is the co-main versus Pedro Munoz. It's an intriguing fight. That shocks me. A great fight. Surprised that's the co-main. 
I would think that would be the main event. But nonetheless, here we are. Carla Esparza is on that card as well. To me, this is probably the lightest of all the cards. I do like Frankie Pedro. Frankie has to bounce back. I, I think that's a good card, though. Yeah, I mean... At the top. Like, it's the least of the cards, but it's good at the top. Yeah, I mean, Kater and Dan Ige is good. Yeah, Munoz and Edgar, because yeah. everybody's forgot Frankie Edgar's still lingering around at Bantamweight. And Pedro yep. Munoz had just lost to Aljamain Sterling, so he's in need of a win. This is like a loser-leaves-town fight. Esparza, and, you know, she needs to climb back up the straw rankings. Yeah, this is a three-fight card. Everything else, I'm like, yeah, okay. It's a Wednesday card. It's good for a Wednesday. Yeah, it's totally fine. It's going to be a busy Then Saturday, July 18th, we have Figueredo versus Benavidez. Title fight. Because the champ, or triple C, champ, 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 has vacated everything. Yeah. So, we saw this already. Figueredo didn't make weight. <sighs> Joseph Benavidez get wrecked. To me, I have to pick Figueredo because we just saw that. Even though I picked, you know, Joseph Benavidez to win the first time, and it would be one hell of a story if he gets wrecked, comes back, and this is how he finally wins the belt. But I can't pick him. So, but again, good fight to make. Um, Gaslam's on this versus Hermanson. Uh, Mark Dacasi. What? Mark's lost like four in a row, right? Mark Dacasi is. Dacasi lost three in a row? Something wild. No, he's two. He, he was, won two in a row because he, he had lost three in a row. He lost to Dan Hooker and Dracar Close and somebody else. And then he, he beat Lando to Venata in his last fight. So he's on a two fight. Okay. But he came in with so much momentum, and it's kind of like fell short. Um, but, again, that's a three-fight card. Joe Duffy's buried on that card, so that was announced. Then we have Saturday, July 25th, where stuff starts to pick up. Whitaker versus Till. I like that as a main event. <sighs> I think Bobby Knuckles had his run. I think Darren Till wins this. I don't know. This is... <laughs> And this early prediction, I might change my mind yeah. by the time we get to the 25th and we start talking about this shit. But I think, uh, you know, looking from afar, I think we're eventually going to see Till versus Adesanya. Maybe. Um, I mean, remember, Darren Till got absolutely destroyed by Tyron Woodley. So we got to see what Darren, like, I don't know what it's done to his psyche. We'll have to see. And Whitaker is still Robert Whitaker. I just knew that the Adesanya fight was a bad style matchup for him. And that's why he got stopped. So, Till came back and won a split decision against Kelvin Gaslam because he got knocked out by Woodley and then he got wrecked by Masvidal as well. Both at welterweight. So, I'm very curious because Riddicker still has a hard head. Darren Till's not like this really dynamic striker. And I say that a lot. Fluidity is key when you're fighting guys like Whitaker with excellent takedown defense and kind of like sprawling brawlers. I don't know if Darren Till's got that. Uh, got the skills to really take him off his game. Because, look, Jerome Romero couldn't do shit to Robert Whitaker in two very close fights. Uh, he couldn't yeah. keep him down or anything. So I don't know what Darren Till's going to do. We'll have to see. But then again, Robert Whitaker could be completely wrecked from getting stopped by Adesanya. I don't know. I don't know. But I, I, I like that fight a lot. I am the, the fight that I'm most interested in on this card is Alexander Gustafson returning at heavyweight against Fabricio Verdun. I, you couldn't have told me this fight would ever happen. I'd have laughed at you. <laughs> what? At heavyweight Gustafson against Verdum, who just lost? 
Such a weird fight, but I'm so intrigued. I'm very intrigued because Gus is so good and he was so close so many times that when he walked away, it was like, damn, like, really? Like, okay, you couldn't beat John, you couldn't beat DC. You got your face taken off once by fucking, uh, oh, what is his name? He's coming back. Anthony Johnson, Rumble. But outside of that, like, you, you had one hell of a career. Not many people could beat you. So I'm interested to see what he does at heavyweight. It's just, man, when you climb those ranks, I saw Rumble take his face off. Like, I don't want to see what Ngannou does to him. To be fair, I don't want to see what Ngannou does to anyone. I do. I'm intrigued by him killing people. But it's just me. <laughs> like, everyone's dying in that case. Like, at this point, Ngannou has to just wait for the title shot because knocking out the rest of the top five division does nothing. No. He's run through everyone. Which is crazy, but that's kind of how thin the heavyweight division is, but whatever. Yeah, so good to have added blood to that. I really like that fight, too. Um, we'll see what Verdum has in the tank. This is the, yo, Verdum might be the gatekeeper fight. Yeah, I don't think he'll stay. Like, if he loses this fight, I would think he might retire. Oh, I was about to say on to Bellator? Nah, well, maybe if they pay him enough. But, yeah, I think this could be it for Fabricio. If he loses the, a, a light a light heavyweight moving up to heavyweight and that he loses another fight, because he didn't look good in his last fight. He didn't. So He hasn't looked good in a couple of fights. Yeah, he's, he's kind he of... He slowed. He slowed a lot. Yeah. The wall hit him fast. So uh, the last one we have to talk about, and we kind of went through the rest of July, but to kick off Fight Island, UFC 251. I don't think we've really talked much about this card. Obviously, we'll give more detailed breakdowns, predictions as we keep going. But from afar, this card looks stacked. Um, from the top down, real quick, before we talk about individual matchups a little, Kamara Usman versus Gilbert Burns. Burns gets the shot off a good win just a couple weeks ago. And it seems as though Masvidal um, had some other top contenders. Couldn't take the fight. So next man up, Gilbert Burns, goes against teammate Kamara Usman. And then Volkanovski, Max Holloway rematch in the co-main, which would be intriguing. Uh, Jan versus Aldo for the title and the sweepstakes of who goes against the real champ, Aljamain Sterling next. Uh, women's strawweight, Andrade versus Nami Yunus, which is the, what, four... Four fights down, this was just a title fight not long ago. So that's going to be interesting. And then Amanda Rebaz versus Paige Van Zandt. This is the win-or-go-home fight for Paige. Yeah, this is, like, for Paige, we'll start with that one. For Paige, this is a fight where if you win, it's the last fight in your contract. You either, you use that as negotiating power between UFC and Bellator. You lose, and you don't have a lot of negotiating power with Bellator. So this is like the biggest must-win fight of her career. She she needs to win this fight, and I don't think she will. Amanda Rebus is really good. I agree. I think Amanda Rebus is just better in every way. And, uh, man, I haven't seen. For a second, you know, Paige, when she came out, was like, oh, we get it. She's pretty. They're pushing her all. So that's great. But then she came out, and you're like, yo, she could really fight. And then you're like, you know, everything else aside, marketability aside, she could really fight. They put on Dancing with the Stars. You're like, okay, I see it. And then they elevated her, and it was like, yeah, she wasn't ready for that. Mm-mm. But the excuse for Paige was always, oh, she's so young. She'll get there. Well, now she's 26. And it's not, you know, old in MMA years. 
but you're 26. It's about time you start showing well-roundedness and show that you're ready for a step up in competition. And this will show that. If she can't win this, I, I don't know if she'll ever be what the UFC thought she was going to be. No, and I mean, you know, the thing about Paige is, is she's a good fighter. But I think what got a lot of people is he was a tough fighter. Like, she was always been really tough. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she loses this fight, which, again, I expect her to because Rivas is really good. It's, I mean, it's the Sage Northcutt thing all over again. It's not necessarily her fault. They just kind of pushed it really quick, and she wasn't ready for it. So we'll see, but it's intriguing because, I, you know, ultimately I like to see Paige Van Zandt win and be able to get paid by the UFC to stay or to push her dollar at Bellator. She's in a tough spot that she didn't ask for. The UFC put her in that spot. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, 2015. December 10th, 2015, Rose Namajunas versus Paige Van Zandt. Rose wins by submission. God, she motored down. To me, yep, that's the turning point in each other's careers. Yeah. Rose, same record at this point, eight and four for the both of them. Crazy, only 12 fights. Rose, for a period of time, was a dominant champion. She did to Ioana what people thought couldn't be done. Held the title. Was badass. She lost. She was, listen, when she lost the title, she was looking really good in that fight. Got slammed in her head and it was over. Yeah. So you go back to that. Since 2015, Rose hit this streak, lost to uh, Kovacavich. Not No shame there. Lost the decision. Then beat Tisha Torres, um, beat Joanna, beat Michelle Waterson, came back, beat Joanna again, and then lost to Andrade. So she hasn't fought much in that span, but neither has Paige, and their careers are completely different paths. Paige is one fight away from being out of the UFC, and Rose is one fight away from being in the title shot again. Identical records, path cross path. They crossed paths at the same time five years ago. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, and it just shows you, like, the improvements that Nami Yunus has had versus the improvements that Rose had. Um, I mean, that, that Van Zandt had. Like, like, when Rose was in the Ultimate Fighter and she lost to Carla Spars in that final... Um, she didn't have any wrestling. She got put on her back throughout the whole fight. And then she really developed her takedown defense, and her striking just got really good. And you watched her. Because even the Kovacavich loss was a fight that a lot of people thought she won. And what she did yep. to Joanna was in- incredibly impressive. The thing about Rose is, even though they're in the same weight class, when you put her up against Andrade, you were just like, oh, my God. Like, Andrade just looks like a, you know, she looks like a Blanca from fucking Street Fighter. She's like compact and <laughs> powerful and just, you know, kind of waiting to slam you or electrocute you in. Like she got her hands on Rose after getting pieced up and then slammed her on her head. Paige hasn't shown that kind of development. She's been extremely tough and shown that she can take a lot of punishment and she can't fight. But we haven't seen anything technique-wise that would suggest that, that Paige has gotten better. They, they, you're right. There are two fighters who had their turning point and one continued to get better and the other one just kind of stalled out. It's weird. Very weird. Crazy how they've gone opposite directions. Uh, Jan versus Aldo. I feel like we talked about this a lot. I still don't know how Jose Aldo is in this. I don't. Nobody knows except for Dana White. I don't. This is ridiculous. This fight shouldn't be happening. Shit, it's not fair to anybody. You might fuck around and win. That's that'd be like the worst part. Because then Dana would kind of gloat, and then you'd be like, "What are we <laughs> gloating about here?" Because this ain't it, Chief. I mean, if the last one was five, I I think Aldo wins. Uh, right. 
He hit a stride. If that, I don't know. I'm not picking Jose Aldo to win this fight. I'm not picking him either. But I wouldn't be surprised. I, I think I would. I think Peter Yan's pretty damn good. And I, I, I don't know. I'm very Aldo. Aljo, Aljo really, and that's Aljamain Sterling really shot a lot of holes in that resume. Yeah, I mean, you could shoot holes in the resume. That's cool. But they did the same thing with Conor McGregor. Look what happened. Problem is, is that Josie Aldo, I mean, it just hasn't been very good. That's it. Like, if he was on a winning streak, then I'd be like, all right, cool. And, you know, some people thought he beat Marlon Moraes. All right. It's the best he probably looked. But I, what I wonder more than anything else is how is Aldo training these days? Because as you get older and you came down to a new weight class, how hard is it? How much is he going to be training to shed the weight versus training to win a fight? I'm very curious about that. I don't know. Yeah, very weird. I mean, he looks to be in really good shape. Like, he's carrying around a lighter frame. So, I don't know what that's worth. Though I still haven't seen the man throw a leg kick in, like, three years. So, I don't fucking know. It just somehow slid out of his repertoire. But, <laughs> Jose Aldo's getting a title fight after back-to-back losses. Crazy. Volkanovski and Marlon Moraes, and he is in a title bout. One, two. He is... Two and four in his last six. And if you go back to eight, which is Conor McGregor fight, he is three and five. It's crazy. Yet getting a title fight. A title fight over guys who have been on winning streaks. Long winning streaks. Five fight winning streaks at this point. (laughs) Crazy. Um, And then Volkanovski, Max Holloway, yeah, run it back. Why not? Sure. We'll figure out what's up with Max Holloway. This is all we're going to find out. Is is Max was considered? A lot of people say he's the greatest featherweight champion of all time, and now he's lost two in a row. And if he loses here, then you, do you go? Because you're done. If you lose to Volkanovski here, no more title shots for you. You have to go to lightweight, and you've proven that you are kind of small for lightweight. Because Dustin Poirier pieced you up. Yeah. So we're gonna have to learn about Max Holloway, but we'll see. As the fight week gets closer, we'll start to figure out. What's Max going. is 28 years old. Volkanovski is 31. It's crazy. It feels like Max has been fighting his entire life. Yeah, wild. To put it into a better perspective, he was born in 1992. Jesus. Yeah, you want to feel old? Add that shit to it. Max Holloway, born in 1992. And then uh, main event, Usman Gilbert Burns. Cool. We'll get there when we get there. Two teammates. Um, It's who can do what they do better. Pretty much. Should I say they both do the same shit? Who can do it better on that night? Yeah. So it'd be a lot of respect, no trash talk, better man win. I like this for Usman. It would have been much better if it was, you know, against any any of the other contenders. Fuck, you know, like Gilbert Burns to me is cool, and he had one hell of a performance. He probably deserves it. Uh, you would argue he deserves it more than Masvidal. In terms of resume, yeah, but in terms of the hype, it was this should have been Masvidal's fight. Should have been Masvidal. Didn't they slap each other at the Super Bowl when you were right there? They, they got a, after, right after I interviewed uh, Masvidal, then Usman showed you're, up and yeah, always, all that shit happened. <laughs> you're always the common denominator. Yeah, Whoops. Beef follows you around. <laughs> <laughs> nah, um, that's our show for today, though. So we ran through some combat sports, politics, um, everything on this show. Hip-hop, a little bit of everything, social protests. We want to thank you guys for listening Stay safe out there. Wild shit is happening. 
Make sure you keep letting your voice be heard. We will do the same. Follow us on social media at Corner Podcast underscore me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. Until next week, though, we're out. Peace. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.